From MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Today in studio, we have Jamie Holt and Richard Rummel from the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks Black Bear Program. We'll talk about how many bears are here in the state, where they can be found, and what to do if you come face-to-face with one of these mighty creatures. Also, Dr. Major is here to answer your pet questions. So join the conversation with your phone call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Or email the show, animals at mpbonline.org. This is Creature Comforts from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Today in studio, we have Jamie Holt and Richard Rummel from the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks Black Bear Program. So today we'll talk about how many bears are here in the state, where you can find them, and what to do should you come face-to-face with one of these mighty creatures. Also, Dr. Major here, ready to answer your pet questions. So join the conversation this morning. Call one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 or send an email animals at mpbonline.org. So good morning uh, to everyone. Hope that you're all doing well this morning. Good morning. morning. Uh, Why don't we do this? We have an early caller on the line, so let's go there first and then we'll get into things. Uh, And it it is Meredith in Mobile. Good morning, Meredith. Good morning. Go ahead. Well, my question is this. My daughter really wants a dog and I am considering it. But neither one of us has owned a dog before, and we have two 10-year-old cats that live in the household. And, of course, I would like to get a shelter dog, but often shelter dogs have very little information about them, their background, if they're, you know, compatible with other animals. And so I'm a little wary of going to a shelter, uh, particularly since I know that they won't, if the dog doesn't work in your home, that they won't take the dog back. Do you have any advice? Well, that's a good one. Uh, tell me about the cats. Are they pretty uh, laid back? I guess most cats are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, pretty laid back. Uh, you know, I guess the thing I would think about number one, yes, it is difficult to get information a lot of times as far as what the background is. My suggestion, and somebody may disagree with this, but I would get a puppy, uh, a young puppy from the standpoint of the cats being able to kind of take it and train it like they want it trained. And, of course, the puppy's going to want to get in their face, and they'll let him know pretty quickly that uh, they'll play maybe, but they won't take too much. So an older dog, you really are not going to know unless somebody's uh, given information when they gave the pet up for adoption as to how it will react around cats. So I just... Use judgment, and uh, I would suggest picking a puppy that's not going to be a very big, big dog with the cats. 
And good luck to you. Hope it works. Maybe give us a call and let us know. All right. Meredith, thanks for your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. If you'd like to join our conversation today with a pet question or a question about the black bear population in Mississippi or black bears in general, give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. Also, you can email the program animals at mpbonline.org. My brush with wildlife uh, came last night in my driveway. I saw a frog. It was like the size of my thumbnail. I was I didn't realize we had such tiny little frogs in, in, in Mississippi. But when you uh, think about it, they have to start out that way. Well, that's yeah. true. I didn't they think about that. You're right. All right. Small, yeah. <laughs> he might they, not remain that small. That's what you're they telling They hide me. pretty well when they're tiny, usually. But, yeah, he, he was making his way across the driveway there, and I avoided trying to, I didn't step on him or anything, so that was good. Uh, we're going to be listening uh, with two guests this morning. Jamie Holt is a black bear program biologist, and the uh, program leader is Richard Rummel. Guys, thanks for joining us today. Good to be here. Thanks. If you could both uh, give us a little bit of uh, about your background. Uh, Richard, why don't we start with you? Okay. Uh, I've been with Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks for uh, be 20 years in a couple of months. Uh, my background has been kind of non-game, endangered species, work uh, exotic species. Uh, past few years, uh, kind of concentrated on the on the black bear program, and uh, so I wear a lot of hats. But uh, but really, since the past uh, few years, um, excuse me, few months, uh, been appointed to to work just with the black bear program. You mentioned exotic animals. What what sort of creatures did you work with there? Uh, well, we I was in the zoo business for 15 years and uh, worked with everything from, you know, frogs to elephants to everything in between. <laughs> and uh, with, with our agency, <clears throat> we permit folks that, uh, say, want to get a large cat for a, a pet or something like that. There are certain requirements and, and uh, that, that we have for excuse me for permits so we deal with that some not not too much jamie how about a little bit about your background i've been with the agency for uh, just over two years i started out in the uh, south delta region as manager over our uh, public land system uh, wma program there and uh, of course before that i was at basically came straight out of school i went to mississippi state and did my bachelor's degree and uh, finished my master's degree over at U- University of Louisiana Monroe, and uh, did a did some bear work while I was at Mississippi State, and then being in the working in the Delta, of course, I was in and around them a good bit, so kind of you know unofficially uh, working with them some when they uh, issues arose, and the uh, opportunity came for me to, to move over to full time to the bear program uh, a few months ago, and, and I accepted that, so that's where I'm at now. Uh, you mentioned WMA, which I think is Wildlife Management Area. Yes, sir. Tell us, what are those? Those are uh, public areas. Their their ownership is from different uh, different organizations. Some of them are state owned by the agency. Some of them are owned by the Corps of Engineers, and uh, some are U.S. Fish uh, U.S. Forest Service. And basically, what we do is we we manage those areas, manage the habitat on those areas for the public to go and and have a place to hunt if they're you know not able to have a lease or anything of their own, um, do a, a, have a wide variety of things. Of course, being in the Delta, the uh, deer and waterfowl kind of kind of rule the world, but there, there's also a, a good, strong calling for, for small game hunting in the Delta as well. 
All right. We're going to be talking uh, throughout the hour about the black bears in Mississippi. Uh, so, again, if you have a question or if you have a pet question for Dr. Major, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring Back to the phones we go. We start again in Jackson. Kelly has called in today. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning. Thank you. Sure. Go ahead. Well, I wanted to respond about the woman who wants to adopt a dog for the first time and has two elderly cats. Um, I'd like to offer a, a contradicting opinion. As someone who has fostered animals for many, many years and has always had cats in the household and brought in large dogs, Great Danes specifically, mixed breeds, um, I would suggest rather than taking the route of a shelter to look into a specific uh, breed uh, rescue. Uh, they often foster animals with cats, dogs with cats, and they can tell you not good with cats, unsure with cats, or small children in some cases, or they will actually have uh, identified dogs that do well with cats. Now, a lot of it will depend on the cats in the long run, but um, there are options out there. I'm new to the Jackson area, so I don't know what type of breed rescues are out there. Um, I'm familiar with Marl, and I know that they uh, have some really good people working there and may have uh, better advice on the subject if she's going to go um, with a, a, a shelter dog. All right. Uh, thanks for your call. <clears throat> so that's uh, two options there, uh, and I guess... Uh, breed rescue and shelter, Dr. Major, I guess are not quite exactly the same thing? Well, you know, certainly uh, shelters uh, have probably as much contact with the specific breed rescue. There's Boston Terrier Rescue, there's uh, Frenchie Rescue, there's Potbelly Pig Rescue, uh, there's all kind of rescue type groups. And what she's alluding to is the fact to contact one and see if they have a, a foster or a pet available that uh, would be good with the cats. The cats are going to be the big question mark, and I, I don't know how to answer that until you try. Uh, but certainly uh, it, it may be that she has a good thing there. And uh, you can search the uh, Internet to find breed rescues, and uh, maybe in that area, I believe that caller was from Mobile. Mm-hmm. And uh, there may be some in that area. So do good research. I mean, that's that's important thing, regardless of what pet you're picking or what uh, uh, adoption you're going to try to do. Researching that is very important. All right. <clears throat> Let's go another phone call uh, from Pearl River. Charles is on the line. Good morning, Charles. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Go ahead. Okay. My question is about bears and stun guns. No no shocking, no contact, just the crackling blue sound of the spark. I know that cows are back off away from it and dogs and cats. So are the Mississippi black bears afraid of it? And for that matter, the uh, Northwest grizzlies, will they back off? Are you talking about what's referred to as shell crackers, like that you maybe shoot out of a shotgun? <clears throat> this is a stun gun. Will it be your, is it something that's uh, actually making contact with the animal? No contact, no shocking, but when you just hold it out and mash the own button, it's a blue sparkling crackling sound. And dogs, cats, 
cows are afraid of that sound and that sight. Uh, uh, I'm not sure Interesting. about it. Uh, who's the manufacturer of that gun? Oh, there's many, many, many manufacturers of them. Really? Okay. Thank you. Um <clears throat> Are you talking about something like like is used in law enforcement? Something that actually makes contact with with something or somebody? Or well, they have it. It's not a taser that shoots right. through the air. It's a stun gun, and uh, you hold it in your hand, and you can buy them in stores. I'm I'm familiar with what you're talking about. It, it serves the exact same purpose as a as a projected taser, but it it just doesn't have the projectiles. It's got two metal prongs and and you, for to get the the stunning ability use out of it, you actually have to make contact with something. Um, but I am familiar with what you're talking about and the the dreaded noise that those things do produce. Um, you know that that sound of electricity popping. I've I've seen animals shy away from it, whether it be anything from a from an electric fence. It's got a piece of grass on it and and, and popping uh, all the way up to actual hot sticks that are you know used a lot in. Uh, sale barns or you know some and you know around a vet's office depending on you know working cattle and things uh and and that is a pretty bad sound my response to that is there's never been really anything tested with it uh to see if a bear would be you know shy away from that most of the of anything that has been used and used effectively has been through contact whether it be an electric fence or uh, i'm not not real sure of it yet as far as the tasers with the projected prongs. I know they've used them some on some of the larger nuisance animals uh, or larger animals that become a nuisance in inside cities, such as moose up north, uh, with, with pretty good effects. Uh, you know, they, they stun them and, and they kind of go into their temporary convulsions. And once you turn them loose, they, they get up and run off. Um, I'm sure it's been tested some with bears, but just, the, just that noise, I, I, I can't tell you one way or the other, whether a, a bear would shy away from it or not. I would, they may and they may not. All right. Charles, thanks for the call. I would say in order to get close enough to find out if it doesn't shy away, I think you might be in for some <laughs> trouble, that's for sure. All right, we need to take a quick break. When we get back, we've got a call on the line. We'll talk to Lee in Woodville, and we're looking for your call as well. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be back with more after this. standing member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. And uh, two guests in studio with us this morning, both from the Black Bear Program. We've got Jamie Holt, who is a biologist with the program, and the leader of the program is Richard Rummel. If you'd like uh, information on black bears, a question about that, give us a call. Or if you have a pet question, give, uh, you can dial one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 
7464. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Uh, before we go back to the phone calls, uh, Richard, tell us a little bit about uh, the Black Bear Program, some of the, the goals and, and that sort of thing that you do there. Okay. Um, back in April, we just kind of got the, the program up and running again after a period of about uh, four years. Uh, I think Brad Young was on this program previously, and Brad was the program leader, and uh, Brad left the agency to take another job, and um, I kind of filled in temporarily, but uh, as of a few months ago, we kind of got the program up and going again, again with Jamie coming on board and and me full-time. So uh, kind of the way the state budget works is it, it hit us about the time that we were trying to put a budget together and then had to wait to get things done and uh actually uh um applied for a federal grant got that approved so we're uh people ask us almost immediately well what are your long and short-term goals and we said we don't know yet <laughs> we just we're just getting going but one of the things actually uh we do and uh want to go out and uh probably it'll probably be winter at the uh at the earliest do some more trapping and radio collaring bears uh the other season is is late summer which is about now but again going back with uh, the way our our grant proposal worked and uh, and getting radio collars ordered uh, it'd be too late in the season really to start trapping now what we're doing now and what we we went out yesterday in an area of Bissaquina County that has a really good bear population uh and thanks to a landowner over there who we worked with previously and uh, really likes bears, has trail cameras out in a lot of areas, and has basically monitored that population over there in the past couple of years uh, and has seen females with cubs, females with yearlings. So um, our intent right now, we're, we're looking preliminarily at doing a, a camera survey over there, going on this block of land roughly five to six thousand acres and uh putting out trail cameras uh in kind of a systematic uh format and monitoring those for six to eight weeks and uh so we get a better idea of of what's over there okay got some more calls to get to let's uh, start again in woodville lee's on the line good morning lee good morning kevin and good morning mr rumble good morning all right i have two for you one is earlier this spring um, we had a motorist that was traveling up U.S. Highway 61 North and had an accident with a large Louisiana black bear. And I think Mr. Rummel came down. I would like to know, first of all, if this animal was taken and was a necrosis done, and would this animal be used later with as a tool to train the youth and other people here in Mississippi about the animal. Also, a number of years ago in Western Wilkinson County, between the pond and Fort Adams area, there was a biologist and people that went out and they found a den with, I think, twins of triplets of young black bear. How often does this happen when you find a litter this large and I will hang up? All right. Hey, good to hear from you. Why don't we take the, the second one first? Uh, uh, a den with twins or triplets, how, how rare would that be? Uh, twins and triplets is normal. 
twins is pretty much normal um, for for black bear. It could be one. It could be two, three. Actually, what I thought he was going to mention in, in Wilkinson County was one uh, that had five oh, wow. uh, in the litter. And actually, that was a female that came across, <clears throat> swam the Mississippi River from Louisiana, uh, got bred by a male in Mississippi and had five. That's pretty much unheard of. Uh, so typical two to three are, are typical litter size for, for black bear. Uh, the other question about the uh, the male, the black bear that was uh, hit on Highway 61, uh, and it's kind of ironic we were talking about that uh, bear 10 minutes ago before the show started. Uh, that bear, any bear that's, that's hit by a car or dies for any reason is taken to our Museum of Natural Science. Uh, to be honest, it's kept in a freezer temporarily. Uh, till we decide what to do with it, the best uh, the best use. Sometime our educational program um, needs one. In fact, a couple of years ago, there was one that uh, if you've ever been to the museum, there's there's a mounted specimen that you know tens of thousands of school kids have petted, and and that bear was almost bald at the time. So <laughs> we use one of the uh, the roadkill bears to to mount a new specimen uh, for educational programs. Uh, some are using the scientific research collections, uh, but but we always we we haven't decided exactly what to do with that bear. But it was uh, 468 pounds, wow. the largest bear we've ever handled, had our hands on the Mississippi. So uh, it will not go to waste. I assure you. All right, very good. Uh, we got another caller, and it's uh, Ellie uh, from Roxy. Good morning. Go ahead, please. Good morning. Is that was a, uh, a black bear hit near Roxy on Highway 84 and 98 about two months ago. I'd like to know uh, how big was the bear, uh, was it male or was female, and was it collared? Okay, that bear, uh, we don't know because it survived, fortunately. Uh, I got the call about midnight one Saturday night, um, and the way it sounded uh, on the phone uh, from our officers on the scene uh, is it probably would have had to been put down as it looked pretty serious uh long story short over uh an hour's time the bear got up um hobbled off and uh and the last they saw it it was walking up the woods limping bears are incredibly i guess for lack of a better word durable <laughs> they can they can take a pretty good licking uh we know if there's uh, our officers know that if uh when an animal needs to be put down, just like whether it's a deer or a dog or anything that may have been injured or, or hit by a vehicle. Uh, but bears can, can sustain a pretty good lick by a vehicle. So uh, I was expecting later on to get the call that they that they had to put the animal down and that I was going to be traveling down there to, to pick it up to take to the museum. But uh, good news, the bear got up and, and limped off into the woods, and they've kind of kept an eye out in that area and... Haven't seen the bear since. All right. Thanks for your call. That was the voice of Richard Rummel, the Black Bear Program Leader for the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. We're also visiting with Jamie Holt, who is a program biologist. Jamie, could you give us a, an idea of some of the, the field work that you do as, as a biologist in the Black Bear Program? Well, what we're doing, uh, once once our field season kind of gets going and we get the equipment that we need, we'll be going out in the, uh, in the summertime uh, trapping bears, whether be with a culvert trap which is just you know kind of kind of like catching them in a big box or uh using a leg snare which would catch them around the, their foot then we'll go in and anesthetize the bear 
and affix a radio collar on it. We'll give it ear tags, uh, put a put a microchip similar to what people do with their dogs, so the bears you know easily identified years down the road, and then we turn it loose. Ideal we ideally we're we're looking at um, trying to catch and collar some of these female bears, especially adult female bears who are of breeding age. And the reason for putting that collar on them is, is kind of a twofold reason. One is we want to see where all that bear is going and how much time it's spending during different times of the year. Uh, pregnant black bears, for them, in order for them to be able to give birth to their cubs, they have to go into their, their denning season. Uh, they have to go into the den during the winter. So that allows us to be able to pinpoint exactly where the, the female is with her cubs. Uh, we can go in while she's in the den, uh, slip up on them, and anesthetize her again, and then we can get our hands on those cubs who, who are about six or eight weeks old when they emerge. So when we're seeing them, sometimes they they may be only a, a few weeks old or, you know, even days just depending on when they're when they're born. We, we like for them to be just a little bit older. Uh, the, the cubs were able to do you know, check those out and kind of get an idea of their health and sex ratios and also give them a microchip so we know exactly how old they are and, and where they came from and who, you know, who their mother was and all those things. Uh, and then when they start dispersing as 18-month-old bears, then if they start showing up again, we can kind of see where they're moving to and, and how they're how they're using the landscape. And uh, that's that's really our, our goals right now and what we're looking at. What we want to do is monitor this the expansion because black bears are expanding in mississippi there, there's no question about it uh and and all the expansion that's happening and they're basically they're the rebuilding of the population has been completely natural by them you know they've they've swam the mississippi river bears are excellent swimmers they've uh came over and and females have started coming over and uh to the point to where we you know we have several breeding females across the state with producing young every two years who are, who are expanding even further. So, but it sounds like you need to first kind of get a, a handle on, you know, as you say, the population, where they are, where they go, and then that way you can work on improving habitat and, and those sorts of things. Exactly, yeah. It, by, by seeing what areas those bears use at what time of the year, uh, we can, you know, go into those areas some, just the exact same way we would with any other game species or any wildlife species in general. Uh, we can see what what vegetation there what the landscapes like what the topography's like is it you know do they just stay in the swampy areas like they they have been or uh do some of them prefer this or you know the hills or you know what what kind of what kind of food are they eating and what are they targeting and what what time of the year they need it so then we can get an idea of what kind of habitat is going to be able to support a bear year-round based on their average range size, which for males is can be up to 20,000 acres, and for a female can be as little as 5,000 acres. Mm-hmm. Hey, we need to take another quick break. When we get back, we're going to continue our discussion. We're looking for any pet questions today for Dr. Troy Major, and we're talking about black bears in Mississippi with uh, two members of the Black Bear Program. The leader of the program is Richard Rummel and the Black Bear Program biologist, Jamie Holt. So if you'd like to join in, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring it's one 672 We'll be back with more after this.
Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Levy Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. We're visiting today with uh, Jamie Holt and Richard Rummel of the Black Bear Program. Richard is the leader, and Jamie is a biologist in the program. So uh, any bear questions, or if you have a bear sighting that you'd like to tell us about, or if you have a question for Dr. Major, the phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. You can also send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. And in fact, we do have a bear email here uh, from Chris and Jackson who says, um, I was hoping you could elaborate on the possible geographic and migratory patterns of black bears in respect to the geographic regions of Mississippi. I, as having an uninformed opinion, would not expect to see bears outside of the Tishomingo or Upper Hill County areas, especially not further than the Lowe's Bluffs and on into the Delta. How wrong am I? Well, uh, good question. In the past, uh, say, 100 years, maybe less than that, most of our, our bear population is concentrated along the Mississippi River and the Batcher land or, or that area inside the uh, river levee, although some is outside in larger tracts of, of woodland. And it pretty much goes from the Tennessee state line all the way down to Wilkeson County down in the southwest. We also have a population along the coast uh, in the coastal counties, uh, inland, not just the three coastal counties, but, but south Mississippi. And um, and as uh, uh, Jamie mentioned earlier, we were talking about as young bears disperse, uh, as they get to be a, you know a year and a half, two years old, particularly the males are, are leaving the mom and dispersing. They'll hit a river bottom or a creek bottom or, or any say wooded corridor, and you don't know where they're going to end up. Um, we have areas of the state that that we know we have. Our breeding population of bears, but we also have uh, areas that uh, we're seeing more bears in the past few years. Uh, an area that comes to mind is is East Central Mississippi, around Meridian, North South, uh, Lauderdale, Kemper counties up through there. And uh, what we believe in talking with some of the folks in Alabama, uh, the work on bears is uh, some of those bears are coming in from Alabama. Uh, young ones. Uh, we get a lot of trail cam pictures, and uh, we've a- actually also radio collared a bear over there several years ago. But probably some of those bears in that area are coming in from Alabama, or actually even coming up from the you know the Pascagoula River drainage is pretty vast, pretty extensive. And if you look at it on a on a map or, or Google Earth, it it reaches far up into into those counties. Um, so. You know, it really doesn't surprise me anymore, uh, a, a sighting of a bear. Now, she mentioned, or he mentioned Tishomingo County. The very few, very few reports up in there. And we know that kind of based on the, our counterparts in Tennessee and, and also Alabama, uh, Alabama really doesn't have a population up there. Tennessee may have a few in, a, in adjacent, you know, across the state line there. Uh, but that's pretty sparse area for bears for either either state but again it doesn't surprise me 
I'll, I'll mention one thing. Generally, the public has an idea of bear being mountain animals. Right. But what I've learned from being <laughs> in the Department of Wildlife for years is that they were always prevalent in those lowland, bottomlands. Oh, is yeah, that right? Absolutely. And I think that may be part of what that caller was getting at, thinking that they would be more close to the to the Smoky Mountains and that kind of thing. Yeah. But in, in reality, bear have always been down in swamps and bottomlands, and I guess they overwinter in cypress trees, and that's why Louisiana is such a stronghold for bear, right? That's right. It's just kind of a misconception that people have that it's a mountain animal. And uh, I suppose because for a long time where Mississippians would see bears when they'd go to the Rocky Mountains. You'd right. see and it's, it's not necessarily a, a misconception yeah. that it's a mountain animal. But, it's a, a just kind of a, a misconception of, of how how adaptable of a species only, it is. Yeah, it's not just you know, they, they can live all the way from being up on the high peaks of the mountains all the way down into the, the nasty swamps and, and backwaters of, of Mississippi and mm-hmm. Louisiana. So they're, they, you know, they're very hardy animals and, and able to adapt and, and, and live in, in a variety of environments. So um, how do black bears uh, compare and contrast to grizzly bears? <laughs> they're, uh, they're a smaller animal, generally. <clears throat> Just just looking at them, some of the features are uh, a grizzly usually has a large shoulder hump, which is a mass kind of for, for muscles. Um, and uh, they have a dish-shaped forehead. Uh, and I'm just talking about some things that if someone were in grizzly and black bear habitat, they, they could tell uh, their distance. Uh, grizzlies, generally their behavior can be uh, a little more aggressive, and I'm not saying, you know, people have the misconception about bears in general, that they are, are very aggressive animals. Given a situation, uh, uh, grizzlies will tend to defend their young much more than, than black bears will. Um, researchers that have worked around black bears, um, you know, handle handle cubs with the mother nearby. Um, there have been a record of, I think, 66 uh, black bear fatalities in the last 125 years. Only three have involved a, a mother bear defending cubs, uh, as opposed to grizzlies. And that that's pretty characteristic of grizzlies. A lot of times the attack is uh, maybe hikers, uh, you know, on the back back road or back trail, backwoods trail, and come around a bend and surprise a mother with cubs. And uh, the grizzly mom's gonna gonna come at them pretty quickly. All right. Got a caller again. We're going to Silver to hear Wallace's call. Good morning, Wallace. Yeah, how you doing? Good. What do you have for us? I was wondering, I heard a bear had some pretty good steak. I was wondering, could you eat a bear? I've never eaten it myself, but yes, you can. There's a uh, people in the areas that, that have a hunting population or a hunting season on their bears. That is, that's one of the, the ultimate goals is to harvest a bear for food. So, yes, you can eat it. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. We, we better make the, the uh, something here real quick, Kevin, that we haven't. And, and uh, you can in Mississippi, unless <laughs> bears are endangered in Mississippi. Um, so uh, they're not, they cannot be legally hunted. Uh, 
So I just want to make sure that, that the caller yeah. didn't get the idea. <laughs> the wrong idea. Yeah. In, in a state that does have a season. Yes. Uh, not Cannot in Mississippi. Mississippi. Yeah. I've heard not they are pretty it. tasty yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. So you have to import your, your bear steaks from some <laughs> right. other place. Exactly. <laughs> Keep your tag with you, too. Uh, uh, Jamie, earlier you noted uh, what good swimmers bears are, and I know I don't know if it was a black bear or not, but I remember seeing online a, a, a video of some bikers, uh, and they're kind of pursued by a bear. So bears can run pretty quickly what Absolutely. about are they good climbers also they're phenomenal climbers uh they they are almost as arboreal as they are terrestrial they spend a lot of time in trees they uh will very commonly den in a tree they'll you know bears and while they're out and active during the the spring summer and and fall they're uh they're crepuscular meaning that they they move early in the morning and late in the evening they uh during the middle of the day, they'll they'll commonly use these what we refer to as a day bed, and it, it could be anything from from kind of a dug depression in the ground, or they may just climb a tree and hang out on a limb. Uh, when uh, when a mother has cubs, it's it's very common for her to while she's down and foraging to to stay close to trees, and her cubs will stay up next to the base of the tree. And if anything happens, or you know, spooks them or anything danger comes, the uh, the first instinct for the cubs is to run straight up the tree to 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 get away from danger so yeah they're they're great they're they're pretty good at a lot of things <laughs> uh so what uh if you encounter a black bear say out in the wilderness somewhere what uh what would be the recommendation to do well first of all don't approach it mm-hmm. uh you know by, as as we've mentioned a couple of times black bears are not uh they're not by nature overly aggressive animals but they are still wild animals and should be treated so with the deserved respect mm-hmm. um you should never approach them bears are, are very secretive and, and shy animals they they don't want to be bothered they want to be left alone and a lot of their uh their ecology revolves around the fact that they want to be secluded and they want to be in thick areas away from uh especially humans so if you were to see a bear the uh Chances are the bear saw you before or smelled you before you even got there. But in case that it didn't, which is probably how you've happened upon it, uh, is to make your presence known. You know, let the bear know, kind of whistle, clap, snap your fingers. You know, just just let the bear know you're there. Chances are if you startle it, it's going to stand up on its hind legs. This is not a, a, a behavior that they're fixing to charge or about to attack you or anything. It's uh, bears have pretty good vision, but... Once you get out past about 30 or 40 yards, they start kind of losing some of their sharpness and and, uh, and depth perception. So they're, they're going to stand up on their hind legs and get a better idea and a better view of what they're looking at. Uh, after they realize what you are and you kind of wave your hands and, and holler at them a little bit, chances are they're going to turn and run. Um, where you run into a, a potentially dangerous situation is if the bear feels cornered for any reason. Mm-hmm. Then they're going to start showing maybe some defensive, aggressive behavior where they'll pump the ground. They may do some, some huffing and snorting noises and pop their jaws and may even do a false charge where they'll, 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 they'll run at you and stop a few feet short of you. Uh, that's the bear letting you know that it's, it's upset and it's time for you to leave. So in, in any event, um, it's, it's best to, you know, Enjoy seeing a bear, but enjoy it from a distance. And if everything's a little too close for comfort, which most people kind of understand when that is, you know, if it's in your backyard, stay in the house. Uh, if the bear won't leave, give us a call. Uh, 
chances are if you overly scare the bear, it's it may run up a tree in your backyard or in there you are because <laughs> it's scared and that's that's its defense is to get up a tree and get away from things so if you scare it too bad it you know it may run up a tree and that's where it's going to stay until it feels comfortable to go down <laughs> so if you're standing there looking at it waiting on it to leave it's it's not going to happen uh you know we we have a uh, lot of information on our website if people are are curious uh and would like to learn a little bit more or if you know in in any event if they see a bear or anything to do with a bear they're more than welcome to give us a call and and that's what we're here for is we want the public to to be able to safely and comfortably live around black bears uh in areas that they occur all right it's not a hard thing to do uh, which it just takes sometimes a little change of of how you act or, or how you respond to something one thing I would add is to please never feed bear. No, that is That's, and big some one, people one. do that because they want to see them. They want their kids to be able to watch them, but don't ever feed them. That's, if you want to create a very dangerous situation, that's the way you do it. Uh, that is the biggest thing that you never want to do is feed intentionally feed a bear, and, and that may cause the death of that bear because absolutely he'll have to. Yes, yeah, yeah it could. Okay. We need to take one final break this hour. When we get back, we'll wrap up our conversation. We're talking about black bears today with Jamie Holt, black bear program biologist and the leader of the black bear program, Richard Rummel. Also, Dr. Major here, ready to take a pet question if you'd like to work one in before the end of the program. The number to call, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Back to wrap up the program after this break. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. And we're visiting today with Jamie Holt, a Black Bear Program biologist and the leader of the Black Bear Program, Richard Rummel. Uh, looks like we have another caller on the line. So we go to Calhoun County and say good morning to Dudley. Hi, Dudley. You're on the air. Go ahead. I just wanted to know what the average citizen could do to help encourage the bear population, especially up in North north central mississippi i i live in the schooner river valley and we used to have bear here but now we never we don't ever see them uh we occasionally get reports kind of up through there not that many but uh as i said uh, a little earlier it doesn't surprise me uh just about anywhere that that there's you know a large river bottom or or habitat close by um uh, 
as far as the average citizen, there is there is a uh, organization that that we work with called the Bear Group of Mississippi. It's a it's a nonprofit organization. It's kind of a consortium of a lot of federal, state uh, organizations, NGOs that are that are concerned with bear conservation in Mississippi. Um, I think if you just Google, I'm not sure. Uh, bear.org or or mississippibear.org uh and join that organization um short of you know if a lot of uh i think what's been helped bears rebound in in the last you know 20 to 30 years uh has been you know habitat change Uh, there there are a lot of uh federal programs that may be marginal farmland uh that's been converted back to it's been reforested and um and that's certainly helped bears in the in the delta area where uh, you know we sure we need ab, uh, agriculture absolutely but but in areas that the farmland was marginal seasonally flooded and it it just wasn't worth planting a crops planting crops there are federal programs the WRP and a lot of others that allowed that land to be put back into trees um so so that's another option if if you're a landowner all right uh, Dudley? Yeah. Appreciate your really call. Do a, Go ahead. Appreciate. I said I just really do appreciate what you're doing. I'm a big fan of the black bear. Thanks again. Well, thank Good. you. All right. Good to hear. Thanks, Dudley. Thanks for the phone call. Uh, let's move on. Next, we've got uh, Meredith, who's called in from Union today. Good morning, Meredith. Hi there. Can you hear me? Yes. Sure. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I saw a bear uh, about six months ago in Kemper County, a black bear, and... Um, I'm assuming it might be one of those ones y'all were mentioning earlier coming in from Alabama. And I, I guess I was wondering, why are they coming in from Alabama? Are they getting pushed out by development? Are they seeking new places? Are they migrating? What's happening? What's bringing it? Uh, probably a little both. Uh, there are areas, you know, we, we've gotten reports over there before, but like I said, in the past couple of years, there are more reports from Lauderdale, Kemper, um, knocks be a little bit up through there, and it's it, it's probably uh, you know not having those bears radio collared or anything. We're we're not sure, but we're just we're just making the the presumption based on our counterparts in Alabama and, and bears that their uh, their population that is expanding there, they're looking for new habitat. They're uh, they're doing what bears do. Uh, and it's generally the younger males that that tend to make those long dispersal um, routes. Uh, the females uh, tend to stick closer to where they were born. Um, so uh, they're just they're just looking for a place to live. They're just looking for a you know new place to set up their home range. And really, this time of year, uh, through the summer months, we get more sightings, more reports. Uh, two things are going on with bears. It's breeding season, June and July. It's breeding season for bears in Mississippi. So the males are wandering around extensively looking for a female. Uh, and also cubs that were born last year are dispersing right now. Cubs are born in the den in late January, early February. They spend that whole next year and that winter with the female, with the mom. And then the following summer, uh, when they're 16 to 18 months old, they start dispersing, uh, meaning they're going out on their own. Mom's kicking them out. She's ready to breed again. 
So she's kicking them out on their own. So that's going on about right now. So really late May through July, we get more reports, more calls about bear sightings than any other time. And uh, so that may be what's going on. All right, Meredith, uh, thanks for your call. Yeah, I hear among black bears the word is that the more attractive female black bears are here in Mississippi, so I think that's why they're probably yeah, coming over from right. Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Criff is on the line from Biloxi. Good morning. You're on the air, so go ahead, please. Hi. Uh, when you say black bear, are you saying is that the same species as Louisiana brown, or is that two different species? It's the same thing. It's the Louisiana, the the black bear is a species that kind of occurs through most of North America. The Louisiana black bear is is a subspecies. They're all, you know, if, uh, for the most part, if you put, you know, three or four different subspecies in the same room, lined them up together, no one could tell the difference. They're based on, on taxonomic and morphological and sometimes genetic differences. So, yeah, it, it's, it is the same bear that's found in Louisiana. But he said brown. Are you, are you? Did you mean black bear? Or did you did you mean to say no. brown bear? I mean to say brown bear. I'm not well, real familiar with a Louisiana brown bear. I mean, there there are some. You know, some may be the color varies a little bit, kind of in the southeast, but some may be a little lighter and a little darker. But uh, it is the the black bear species. I, I got you, and I, and I wasn't thinking of um, color phases. But I, I thought there was an actual subspecies called Louisiana brown. No, it's Louisiana black. Louisiana black. All yep. right. Thank you. You're All welcome. Right. Thanks for the call. Got a couple minutes left. I think the other thing that uh, folks associate uh, commonly with bears is hibernation. So talk about uh, black bears and, and hibernating. Or is it, uh, what is the other word? Uh, tor- torpor? Torpor? Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, bears and black bears don't hibernate in the, the full definition of the word. They uh, they do go into a torpor, which is kind of an extended sleep through the fall, or it's also referred to as carnivorian uh, lethargy. And basically, that is an, an adaptation for them to be able to survive through extreme weather during the winter, uh, which down around here in the south, around Mississippi, is usually flooding, uh, you know, associated with their current range in the delta. So they go into this uh, extended sleep, and it's not really... It's not really even uh, a priority, or a. Uh, it's, all bears in Mississippi in the South don't have to to go into the den season. Depending on what the weather is, and depending on how much food is available, they uh, they can stay active through a good bit of the winter. Some of the uh, the males may only they may only den for a few weeks, and you know it, it all depends on that particular year and the weather. Now, if a pregnant female does have to go into the den to to raise her cubs. When uh, you know when she's bred later into the winter, uh, on into December, the the embryo actually implants in the uterus and, and gestation begins, and then goes through about six to eight weeks of gestation. So she has to go into the den to uh, to be able to give birth. But they uh, they they don't actually go into that that full hibernation. They can be aroused from their uh, from that sleep, you know, if they're disturbed or or shocked by anything. Yeah, I know, I know a lot of humans where that uh, the notion of hibernation might not be a bad idea. <laughs> That's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. Funding provided in part by Wildlife Mississippi, a statewide organization celebrating its 20th year of conserving Mississippi's land, waters, and wildlife. And from contributions from listeners like you. So for Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and our guests... 
Uh, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next at 10, it's MPB Season Pass with Jay White. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.